Yes? All right. We all set? Uh, yeah. Marcus? Go. Dr. B looks like he disappeared somewhere. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, he just got his cup of tea. <clears throat> all right. Well, here we go. Very excited to be back. Welcome, everybody, once again, all three of you that listen to the Agora podcast. <laughs> I, along with... with Can you get the demographic right now? Huh? Yes, this is, we are the demographic. Um, <laughs> myself, along with Jay, are your hosts, with the guy who pops in and out every now and then, uh, Dr. Berger, um, as our resident, I guess, nerd, basically. <clears throat> uh, and then... We got Marcus Clark, who was our guest, but um, talking with him, it sounds like we're all going to be contributing in our little bits and pieces here, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but just to get the world to know who Marcus Clark is, we'd love to, uh, yeah, just start off, you know, what, what's your background? Uh, I know you and I worked at the, at the ASU gym back in the days, two years ago. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, we'd just love to hear, you know, what, what you studied and, and what, you're, what you're focused on right now. Okay, perfect. Well, um, yeah, well, thank you for having me on the podcast. It's good to see all of you. There's, there's one new face. It's nice to meet you. Um, Which one? Is it me? The or journey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, the journey actually started um, when I was actually in high school. I had an injury to my hip when I was doing track and fields. And that introduced me to the world of sports medicine and athletic training. So science has always been kind of an interest of mine just in general. And the teacher that was teaching that um, athletic training course kind of took me under his wing when I was in high school. I learned about rehab and just how to work with all types of athletes across the board. So when, I, when it was time to, to go to college, originally I was thinking of trying to pursue athletic training, but I wanted to kind of do something that was more general. So I landed on biology. And just by the time I was at Arizona State and just meeting a lot of people, going to the SDFC all the time, force up, um, I learned about physical therapy. So it took me a little while before I actually got into that world. I was working at the SDFC um, beginning at the end of my freshman year. So that was about 2013. And yeah, just... I switched to exercise and wellness that year, just learning more about it. And as, as you know, Michael, the SDFC has a lot of opportunities for people that are just interested in fitness and wellness. So I wanted to transition my job from the weight room supervisor to personal training. Yep. So just that, that following summer, I, I studied for the personal training exam and ended up working as a personal trainer for the remainder of college. And just by, by the time college was approaching to an end, which was about halfway through it, I wanted to start volunteering in physical therapy clinics. And this was just around the Phoenix area, mostly in orthopedic settings. Yep. So at this time, um, it was really limited with things I could do. So I was essentially just shadowing and keeping the facilities clean. But I wanted to just learn about the field. So I would just be asking patients all types of questions, therapists, all types of questions. And just one thing led to another. I ended up working um, as an intern at a clinic 
And if you remember, um, I don't know, were you an exercise and wellness major, Michael? I was not. Jay, Jay was when he was uh, in school, and then obviously Dr. B teaches it, but I did not study. I studied nutrition. Okay. Yeah, well, they, they have um, internships that we, that we do during our senior year. And I ended up working in one of the clinics for that internship. So it was um, about 20 hours a week. And it was really similar duties. But as an intern, I was allowed to kind of expand my roles. So they had me taking patients through exercises and setting them up on modalities with supervision, of course. And just the, the more people you get to know, um, I just being really fascinated with that field. Everyone has a lot of different stories and injuries. So it was just really cool just getting to work with them and really applying my knowledge from, from the courses at Arizona State, especially from Dr. Berger's class. It really helped me explain a lot of the techniques to people and made it easy for them to understand. And I just wanted to just try my best and just make sure it was a welcome place and people would leave healthier than when they came in. So by the time um, college was approaching to an end, I I was applying for physical therapy schools. And after a few years of doing that, a few years of trying to get my grades up at community college, that um, it ended up not working out at that time. So I moved, um, I moved back to California where, which is where I'm originally from. Yep. And I just began working as a personal trainer again last February. Nice. And the, the cool part about, about this job I have, it, it allowed me to be completely free. So I didn't have any, anyone give me any programs to take people through. And it was essentially on me to, to get um, clients and to help them reach their goals. Yep. So my big philosophy was one, I want to make sure that they have something they could use over a long period of time. And that, that pertains to um, nutrition as well. And I also wanted to just try things out on people. Some people came in and they, they were really fit and they just wanted something different and a challenge. Some people had pains and injuries they were working with, and I wanted to just help them get back to, to where they were at before they got injured and teach them how to prevent the injuries from happening again. Yep. So that's been happening for, um, for about two years right now. And as we're in quarantine, at, um, as you know, a lot of gyms have shut down. So I've been working with a few of my clients, either meeting with them at a park or doing sessions over Zoom, trying our best to just keep their bodies in the best condition they could be and just teaching them how to just maintain their wellness levels until the gyms open up again. So So are you, are you still in California or are you back in Arizona? Yeah, I'm in um, Northern California right now. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, especially for you guys, since, you know, it doesn't even, there's not even a, 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 a site in which the gyms open back up yet or anything opens back up. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's great, though, that you were able to, to adapt your approach, you know, pretty quickly, it sounds like. And we'll, we'll touch on that here in a minute. Um, I want to dial it back, though, to your, your first experience where your high school um, instructor kind of took you under his wing <clears throat> and you started working with, with athletes and everything. What, because you said you worked with a variety of athletes, what kind of athletes did you work with and what did you see 
that was similar and different between uh, each each type of athlete and person that you worked with? Yeah, well, at the time I was um I was playing sports year round, so there's a limitation of who I could work with. Right. So I would work with um, like women's basketball, volleyball, sometimes soccer, and before um before our football games, I would um do some athletic training with the JV football team as well. And in the class, we we learned how to tape people up and just how to. Um, essentially assist the teacher when it was time to go out in the field. But I just really observed him when, when there's injuries to be taken care of. Thankfully, I didn't have to deal with too crazy of injuries at that time. Um, the first injury I ever dealt with actually was at the SDFC. Someone kind of cut their head open during basketball. So all the teachings came in to, to play during that time. And thankfully we were able to take care of the situation fast. Nice. Yeah, but that yeah, um, no one got injured when I was working there really. But I was always ready and always just, always asking the teacher questions just about athletic training in general. He was a he was a really um, friendly guy, and everyone liked spending time in the athletic training room. So we would have all types of discussions just about rehab and the body and just fitness in general. Mm -hmm. um, so are you? Go ahead, Jay. Let me jump in here real quick, Michael. Uh, are you are you strictly doing personal training now, or are you are you still incorporating a physical therapy uh, into your into your practice? Like, are you are you are you a doctor of physical therapy, or are you okay? No, but uh, yeah, I'm not a doctor of physical therapy, and that essentially means I can't necessarily prescribe certain exercises <laughs> for people. But if they have, um, for instance, a, a home exercise program from their physical therapist. I help them incorporate that into their fitness routine just so they don't get overwhelmed. Gotcha. gotcha. And um, yeah, Dr. Berger knows this, but I, I recently um, began a, a master's program of public health. So that's been um, a big focus of mine right now. Just trying to kick oh, off your right? That's fun. So let me, let me ask you this. Uh, so if you're pursuing a, a degree in public health, uh, as you know, we're in kind of a crazy environment right now. Let's say you were in a position to create some public health policy uh, that could potentially impact the people who are suffering the most, the most at-risk uh, at population for COVID. Um, what kind of policy changes would you make in order to help these people either reduce the risk for contracting this disease or help bolster the immunity of people uh, who may not necessarily be at risk, but just help improve uh, their what they already have in terms of their physiology, their immune system, their their defense against preventing these pathogens from infecting them. Uh, what kind of policy decisions would you put into place that would help uh, help people along those lines? This yeah. is the super cool. interesting question. I'll let Marcus answer in a sec, but I also want to extend this to Dr. B after Marcus answers as well, because I'm curious to know what uh, Dr. B would say on this as well. So go ahead, Marcus. Sorry. Yeah. Well, this um this kind of pertains to a bigger picture. Um, I'm not necessarily a doctor, so this isn't a hundred percent factual per se from my voice, but it seems that a lot of people that contract this disease have some sort of underlying condition. The number one killer in the United States is cardiovascular disease. And that would definitely be considered an underlying condition. Also metabolic disease could be um, a heavy risk factor for this. So not only do people need to have a consistent fitness routine, but in order to um, reduce the chances of either of those happening, the diets need to be on point. 
so that um like cutting cutting sugars out soda alcohol all those negative things contributing to the body will increase someone's chance of, of um contracting covid so just eating eating a well-balanced diet and just getting some sort of physical activity and every day that's going to really help um prevent the chance of contracting this disease dr b you want to take a shot at that same question so it's a it's a good segue because i mean you guys know that i like to travel and um you know i go overseas and sometimes i get sick and i come back and i think you know what is why why did i get sick and is there anything i can do to strengthen my immune system so that this doesn't happen in the future been doing a lot of reading about that and um, we don't have really good really good answers to that sort of thing. I think Marcus makes an excellent point that if you're in shape to begin with then that seems to help a little bit for some people but um, a famous study has been done that shows that when you send people overseas and they get sick there's actually no difference between groups between the people who follow dietary recommendations and the people who didn't so for example if you say to somebody um, no fresh fruits and vegetables, don't eat anything that you get from a street vendor, and they adhere to that, there doesn't seem to be any difference between um, like traveler's illness between those people who adhered and the people who didn't adhere. So there's got to be something more to it than just that. And so Marcus's uh, second point about the importance of nutrition is, is really where we do have some information. Um, it seems to be the case that a big part of your immune system is actually in your gut. It's in your digestive system. And it turns out that for COVID-19, receptors for the virus in the, uh, in, the, in the lungs, well, you also have receptors for the virus in the, in the GI system. In about 50% of cases for COVID-19, they don't necessarily manifest themselves in the lungs. They actually manifest, manifest themselves from a GI problem. And I think it was Stanford, early study, found like, hey, we're, we, we have to start screening for other things because COVID-19 is, is, for 50% of the population, it's really actually a GI thing. And so um, the Gatorade Sports Science Institute, about a year or two ago, uh, published an article on, you know, how do we, how do we strengthen our immune system if, if the gut's going to be the function? And very thin evidence, but it suggests, as Marcus suggests, that um, a diverse diet, because you're presenting a lot of bacteria for the gut, just to colonize the gut seems to be helpful. Um, and then it's about 50-50 about whether or not you should take a prebiotic, probiotic combination some evidence that if you consume uh, prebiotics and probiotics that that will colonize the gut and give you a fighting chance to prevent uh, certain illnesses from happening. Ironically, the last time I was in Brazil and got so sick, I was eating Brazilian yogurt, but I don't. There, there could have been something else overwhelm my system. But um, I, I wish, I wish for my own sake and for the sake of our listeners, I could give you a better answer. But it seems to be the case. We're learning a little bit more about the immune system with respect to digestive health. And if you can get your diet on track and you can consume maybe some prebiotics, probiotics, you got a, you got a pretty good, you, you got a better chance than average of, uh, of preventing a virus, preventing a bacterial infection or whatever. Quick, uh, quick segue, because you brought up the Gatorade Sports Science Institute. And I think if, if you're a regular like listener who doesn't, really get into the science of the stuff that might sound like a not so credible organization. So can you just, just speak to, um, you know, the credibility of, of that Institute? Well, I mean, we can, we can dispel that myth. Uh, the Gatorade Sports Science Institute, obviously 
they're commercial. They have commercial interests. Obviously, they sell Gatorade. But uh, the people who run the institute are the most credentialed people in our profession. And um, what they do is they uh, they recruit uh, people who have published papers in a variety of areas to write uh, little, uh, short, very easy to read papers that are uploaded to the Gatorade Sports Science Institute website, downloadable free of charge. In fact, you can even do a little education with the Gatorade Sports Science Institute, they'll print your certificate that says that you, you completed this uh, continuing education course. That the absolute top people in the profession are recruited to write for their position stance. In fact, I'm embarrassed to admit this, whenever they come to the American College of Sports Medicine, they always set up a huge booth at the ASM exhibit hall. They're always there. And um, they you know, pass out copies of these positions and they pass out you know, samples of Gatorade and products that are, are new that they're trying to promote. And I asked one of the, rep the representatives, I said, you know, I've always wanted to write one of these for you guys. Oh, well, we, we, that's my invitation. You have to be a author and an expert in your field. And if we like what published, then we'll ask you. We, it doesn't work like that. So they're too good for me. <laughs> for that. Well, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, so at least you tried. <laughs> They're very credible. <laughs> I, 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 read, I read their material um, because it's, it's like four pages. And they always keep it really short. Like, I think the longest one I've ever seen like maybe five or six pages with some figures. Um, it's very easy to read. I, I don't think that you need to have a PhD to take away, and it's very timely. So it's free. It's easy to read. It's credible. I, I why they're not paying me money right now, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's great. And I'm glad I asked because that's actually something that I didn't know um, and another resource that I can, that I can look to. Um, yeah, the, the, what, I think it's from uh, maybe 2018. It's like uh, immune system in the gut. It's easy to find. Okay. okay. That, yeah, that's, that's interesting on the immune system in the gut because, I mean, it's the, the research on the gut microbiome and how it influences the rest of our health is still – like, it, it seems like what nutrition was in, in the 90s when there was just so much research being published about it. It was like a brand new, exciting field. And it sounds, seems like now that's what, what gut health is. I know this isn't really a gut health podcast, but just I had that, I, or that thought flowing through my mind. Um, so, I mean, just last question for Dr. B before we go back to Marcus. I mean, do you, do you see... Um, I mean, where do you see like gut health and, and the research for it, you know, going in the next year or so, especially in light of COVID-19? Well, I think, first of all, you got to recognize that, that COVID-19 is probably, it, it's more complicated than we thought. That's an understatement of the year. But when, when we were first being advised about COVID-19, I mean, I, correct me if my memory is wrong, but like back in early March, it was fever, persistent cough, you know, uh, things that involve the respiratory system. Yeah. But now if you take a look at even the CDC and their the website for that, you can see that it's, it's broader than that. Um, interestingly enough, as early as like March, April, the World Health Organization was even reporting that this is more of a systemic problem. It's not just uh, that, that one quick answer for you is we need to realize that COVID-19 probably manifests itself in different ways that doesn't, it's not as exclusive as what we thought from uh, early March. Um, th there's, there's some interesting um, 
uh, pathologies too. And, and it, it is probably going to get us a little bit off track, but uh, a lot of Americans suffer from a problem called um, irritable bowel syndrome or irritable bowel disease. Um, a variety of people who have um, uh, uh, gluten sensitivity. And um, one of the things that I've learned, in fact, the uh, position was published just in February from the American College of Gastroenterology, is that a lot of what's been diagnosed as like an irritable bowel um, or um, like even sometimes a Crohn's disease or something like that is actually a condition called uh, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And uh, the way they eradicate that is they dose you with high dose antibiotics and it wipes out the bacterial concentration of your gut. And then over time and with the prebiotic probiotic combination, you sort of restore your gut to a natural um, a bacterial balance. We are very much in the, uh, in the, in the infancy of understanding that, um, but that would be something from a clinical perspective. And then finally, I think there's just a treasure trove of studies that you can conduct look at supplementation, uh, changes in diet. And I guess I'd leave our, our listeners with the, the, the idea that the idea that there's just this one diet that comes from the, you know, USDA and the, 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 the government says, you know, these are the kinds of, I think it's really old fashioned stuff. I think diets work for different people and uh, we just need to be a little bit more flexible in terms of what we prescribe in terms of the nutrition. Some things that are, that, that people swear by, I, I could not eat. I, I couldn't, I couldn't be healthy with that kind of diet, but for some reason it works for them. So I think we just need to be a little bit more broad-minded in terms of what we what we consume for nutrients, and it might make us all, might make us all healthier. Yeah, well, and, and I'm really glad you bring that up because it makes for an excellent segue back to Marcus, <clears throat> because one of the things that he wanted to talk about prior to getting on a recording uh, was was building habits, um, a nutrition plan, exercise plan that is that can be long-term, sustainable. Uh, and just like you alluded to, there's no one best diet. And that's a good thing, right? Because if there was one good thing or one best approach and it doesn't work for everybody, then some people are just going to be screwed. Luckily, that's not the and, case. And even, even if you – we're not following it anyway. Like, we're not doing it anyway. So there's a, there's, a, there's a wisdom out there in the general public that we need to be in, – in the for those of us in public health, there's a wisdom out there that's already out there. It's not working for them anyway even if it's a case where they just don't have access to the food that we say that they should be eating, you know, we're not doing it anyway. So be interesting to what Marcus says. Yeah. Um, so if you're done interrupting my segue, I can get back to asking my question. Um, <laughs> no, but just, yeah, just Marcus, I know uh, this is something that's, that was really top of mind for you. So we'd just love to hear, you know, your, your thoughts on, on, what sustainability looks like in your mind and, and how we can cultivate that, whether it's for a personal trainer, uh, sharing that with clients, or if it's just an individual wanting to cultivate that for themselves. Well, um, yeah, first I got to start with a disclaimer. I'm not a certified nutritionist or dietitian, but this is just what I've found um, to work for me and trends I've seen across people I've worked with. Mm -hmm. So number one, you got to find something that's going to work for you in the long run. I've, um, I've ran across many people and had some friends that have tried some, some diets for the span of a few months and it's really worked for them, but it's not sustainable over time. After they're done with that, um, sometimes, sometimes people keep it up. Sometimes they go right back to where they were in the beginning. So 
I wouldn't necessarily say you have to be 100% on point every single day, but you should aim to progress yourself each week. So for instance, if you, if you don't really eat clean at all, try eating clean for one day out of the week. And then after a couple of weeks of that, or one week, ideally try eating two healthy days per week and eating clean to me personally, it means non-processed food or minimally processed food. It's hard to um, get a lot of those types of food for a lot a lot of people just across the country, but the more natural you could eat, the less um, unknown material you're gonna have in your body. So in an ideal world, we would have just a perfect balanced meal a few times a day or however works for yourself, but that's not something we necessarily see across the populations in the US. And there are a lot of socioeconomic factors that play a role in this. People are gonna have to eat regardless to survive, but it's the access of foods that we don't really see a lot of consistency across the country at least. So that's one thing that I really wanna actually work, um, work on in my career. That's why I'm studying public health. I wanna make sure that people across this country and hopefully all over the world have accessibility to, um, to taking steps to maintain a proper diet throughout their lifetime. So in terms of um, kind of portion sizes, you know, we have the, the fist, palm, and, and finger rule. But my personal opinion, I think that you just need to eat to the point where you're satisfied and making sure what you have on your plate or in your bowl is, I'm going to take this quote from, from a colleague and mentor of mine, you want to have a very colorful plate or bowl. With that, you get a lot of intake of many types of nutrients and fiber, vitamins, minerals, just things we need to sustain ourselves over the course of time. And I actually wanted to ask all of you guys what, um, what your recommendations about nutrition are, because if I had to honestly critique myself, this would be a place where, I, where I'm lacking and I want to learn more about. I mean, you know, um, I, I love that first you preface this with I'm not a dietitian like this isn't you know the thing that I study because I think a lot of people um on social media will just they won't make those disclaimers and they'll just send out these recommendations even though they never picked up a, a textbook about nutrition in their life so just first you know props to you for mentioning that um because not a lot of people don't and then and then second just again you know having the the humility I guess is, is the word or modesty to know you don't know all the answers. And so reach out to, to whether it's like your mentor or even ask us on the podcast. Usually the guests don't ask us questions, but again, this is perfectly fine. Like I love this kind of panel type conversation we're having. Um, so, I mean, I can go first unless anybody has any pressing uh, uh, philosophies they want to get across. And Jay, just so you know, I don't know if you can tell, but I muted you just cause there was some background noise. Um, so when you're ready to talk, just feel free to, to mute yourself. Um, but I guess I'll go. <laughs> so for me, in, in a, to, to keep it quick, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think, you know, Marcus, you and I are, are uh, 
on for the most part agree agree on things um there are little little nuanced pieces that uh i would say i have more flexibility on like for example um <clears throat> the the eating natural the the less processed and i think this just stems from me like having not necessarily experience but just uh, having a lot of awareness that unfortunately like you said that's not the reality for a lot of people where they can't eat um you know they don't have that easy access to lots of fruits and vegetables high fiber foods and so they gotta they gotta fit it in with you know some other things that are a bit more processed but still have vitamins and minerals fortified um or enhanced in them in in some cases <clears throat> obviously not advocating for sugar sweetened cereals every day because obviously those have a lot of stuff in there too um but you know like me for example to help me uh get a lot of fiber in i i what what's it called i, I get the whole grain pasta <laughs> and in that i think per serving it's got like six grams of fiber um which is a lot that's a, that's a really good amount of, of of fiber per serving but it's a, a quote-unquote processed food you know what i mean um but i'm also throwing fruits and or not fruits but veggies inside of the pasta you know uh, like half of a pepper, a good chunk of onion, some mushrooms in there. So I'm, I'm getting a bunch of other stuff from there as well. Um, so that's, that's kind of my philosophy on that. Um, and then on the, oh gosh, where was I going? Oh no. On the sustainability or not sustainability, but just on, you know, picking what's best for you that I totally agree with you on. Um, my thoughts on that just really stem from Sohi Lee, which if you don't know who that is, I would definitely recommend looking her up. She's a really um, great resource in the, the nutrition space. Um, <clears throat> is the best diet is the one that you can stick, stick with for the longest period of time. Uh, whether that is keto or, or carnivore or whatever, if you can, best, if you can stick with that, the easiest, and it's, it's the easiest way for you to adhere to a nutritious eating pattern, um, that's what I'm going to recommend. So that's my quick two cents. If anybody else wants to jump in. I missed a couple minutes of that. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No. I, don't, I don't know if you guys, I don't, I don't know if it happened to you too, but it cut off for a brief moment on my end. Oh shit. And, uh, I missed maybe the last uh, 10 seconds of, uh, of Mike's recommendations there. Oh shit. Okay. Well, <clears throat> last 10 seconds were basically, Follow Sohili. She says the best diet is the best one, is is the one that's easiest for you to adhere to, and obviously still eat um, fairly healthy for the most part. Of course, and this was actually my other point was that of course to to tell people, and this is just my personal thinking, to tell people to eat healthy all the time, I do not think is um, a sustainable thing because I know for myself, I love my cookies and I love my ice cream, and if you tell me I can't have it, I'm gonna be very angry with you. Um, so you gotta, you know, give, I like, I like the 80, 20 approach. 80% of your calories are from nutritious sources. 20% are from your more indulgencies. Did you guys catch yeah. that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. Okay. Good. Good. <clears throat> uh, all right. I'm, I'm going to take a shot at this next. Uh, I, I'm fairly in line with, uh, Michael's thinking process on nutrition. Um, I, I personally advocate for people to, uh, have an inclusive diet approach as opposed to exclusive, meaning everything is, everything is allowed and nothing is ever off of the table. Uh, from my experience, 
I've seen that the more that you limit somebody's options, the more they are likely to uh, fail at whatever it is they are trying to accomplish. Or go towards those options. <laughs> yeah, yes. Nutrition being one of those topics that people almost always fall off the bandwagon eventually if you try to limit their options. So I think having an all-inclusive diet is important because you don't develop negative, uh, there's, you don't develop a negative stigma with certain types of foods. There, if, if, if you have, if, if you put food on a moral scale, bad foods and good foods, you inherently develop this bad psychological relationship to the foods that you think are bad. So every single time that you stay away from that certain food group or food item, you get a positive emotional response. And then it builds and it builds and it builds. But I'm sure that all of you can agree that willpower is a finite resource in humans. It's not, you know, we are not all powerful. We cannot, we cannot stay away from the things that we inherently like all of the time. So when, when, when you develop this bad psychological relationship with the food that you think is bad, when you inevitably end up eating, right? Oh, jeez. Everybody still there? Yeah, My yeah, screen yeah. Again. Uh, but inevitably you end up eating these foods that are quote unquote bad. And then you feel like a terrible person for eating that food. So not only do you develop a bad psychological relationship with a certain food, now you feel like you're a bad person. You're an evil person for eating this, for eating, for eating this certain food group. And what inevitably happens to people is that they revert to those old bad habits that they had prior to starting a diet. And then they gain back the weight. And then in the worst case scenario, when it actually happens a lot more often than not, is that they gain back all the weight. Some people gain back even more weight than they lost uh, to begin with. So I think, I think having an all-inclusive diet is very important for people, just so that nothing is ever off the table. And you don't, you don't, you don't end up putting a moral value on food because food is a very big part of everybody's lives. It's a big part of our social interaction. It's a big part of our, of our home culture. It's a big part of our adopted culture. If you're a foreigner from, you know, not here from the U.S., it's a very big part of our lives. So to, to exclude any, any food group or any food item from your menu, uh, I think it's just a losing battle. And I, I think all of us here have uh, dealt with not only other clients, but I'm sure we've dealt with our own personal um, situations where that's happened to us. So, you know, if I was going to recommend one big thing to everybody, it's that approach food with inclusive with inclusivity in mind instead of excluding anything specific any thoughts from the doc well i can't argue with anything knowing that uh three of us formed a friendship uh mostly through uh blaze on university drive <laughs> <laughs> An FYI, Blaze is basically the Chipotle for pizza. You can make your own pizza. Shout out to the pond for uh, for sponsoring that. I was just down there, uh, just down there yesterday, and they're doing good business. So, who knows what kind of podcasts are in the works, even now? Um, you get that sponsorship. Hey, I think that's a LeBron James thing. He's got the money. I'll reach out to LeBron. I got him on speed dial. Yeah, see what he, he he needs to give us some money. Um, eat breakfast. There's too many people who skip breakfast. They get to the office and, and they eat whatever, and that's bad. So have breakfast. 
Um, I like Marcus's suggestion um, about colors because there are uh, pigments in the plants that we consume. Um, here in Oregon, I'm going to pick some purple uh, berries and go down to the river. Uh, here, maybe tonight, tomorrow, and uh, there's nothing better than the real whole foods that Marcus recommends. I, I completely agree. Minimally processed foods um, are getting easier to find, but um, when you start to consume more of those in your diet, you start to taste what oats taste like, like what oatmeal tastes like, and you can, you can taste um, the natural goodness in foods, and, and it actually gets easier. It really does. It, you, you stop wanting some of the stuff. You still go to Blaze, but <laughs> you stop wanting some of the stuff that you maybe wanted in the past. Um, I would say another thing, um, educate yourself. I, I think it's really important to go, when you, when you go shopping for food, to look at the label. Look at what's in that. Um, you know, just because a bread is described as wheat, this, do you want white or wheat? It, it's just different colors. One is caramel colored tan and brown, and it's not of no, no more nutritional or fiber value than anything else that you would get. So educate yourself by reading those food labels. They've recently undergone a, I don't like it, um, a revision, so they look a little bit different. So um, look at that. Um, another thing that is talk to uh, talk to the people where you buy your groceries. You know, start insisting on stuff. Um, I was at a grocery store here in Eugene, Oregon, just this morning, and I, all I wanted to do was get a newspaper and something healthy to drink. And I walked out with both. They had the newspaper, but um, all the drinks that were in the coolers were artificially colored, artificially flavored, loaded with caffeine. These energy drinks and 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 these bizarre sort of. Um, I don't even know what some of this stuff was, but I wasn't going to put it in my body because who knows what the consequences were going to be. So, um, you know, I speak up, you know, tell people what you want in the stores because the, your dollar is a vote. What you buy is what they will stock the store with. And we got to stop doing that stuff because this, I walk through grocery stores all the time and I say, like, I can't eat half this garbage. And, and, but you know, we got to speak up on that. And, um, I think finally the last advice I would give you when I've taught nutrition courses in the past, I've always given my students, um, one of the things we always do in nutrition classes with me is I take them on a field trip to the grocery store because it's true that I'm not a registered dietitian. I don't have that expertise credential, but we all kind of are dietitians when it comes to the grocery store. We've got to put something in the basket. And so um, I've given them tours of the grocery stores so they can see, um, you know, you, you shop the periphery because that's where the fruits and vegetables and the you know, they're more perishable, but you shop the periphery of the grocery store, you stay away from uh, some, of, some of the central aisles, you educate yourself on some of the marketing schemes. Sometimes in your field of vision, those are the foods that they want you to buy, but you need to change your field of vision a little bit and get something else. So a few thoughts. Thanks, everybody. Love that. <clears throat> if, if I may, um, I think this will help a lot of the listeners. So if I'm someone who... I probably worked out in the past, um, haven't been really that well with nutrition. How would you recommend advising someone to, to begin their um, kind of quest for proper nutrition? Let's say they, they're, they know how to cook, but they're not the best cook and they just don't really know what to, what to get. How would you advise them to proceed? Sure. Uh, I can go ahead and, and start to tackle it. Um, I will preface it with saying, yeah, I, I also too am not, an RD, I don't work with clients. Um, <clears throat> Jay, Jay works with clients in a, in a strength and conditioning setting. Dr. B um, does as well and is much more knowledgeable than I am in just all the things. But 
uh, from the, the knowledge that I have obtained, um, I, I really try to keep, for someone like that, I really try to keep the recommendations super basic at first. And then as they gradually increase their own um, self-efficacy in the kitchen, in obtaining information and knowledge, because that's another skill too, right? Is, is knowing how to read a research paper or knowing how to discern what is credible and what's not credible. <clears throat> that's a skill in its own. So once someone hones those two abilities and, and other pieces, like Dr. B said, reading nutrition labels and whatnot, I, I, I would get deeper into you know, what the recommendations are. But to be just to start out with somebody like that, you know, it's going to be, Hey, let's, let's throw on, you know, one or two more servings of vegetables, um, a day, a week, wherever there's, you know, I'm going to back it all up, start where they're at, right? Take an inventory of where they're at right now. How many fruits, how many servings of fruits and vegetables are they eating? How much protein are they getting? How much fiber, et cetera. Um, get a rough estimate of it. You don't need them to track. Um, I don't, I don't think a, a beginner needs to start tracking their food, <clears throat> but just get a rough estimate of what they're eating on a daily basis. You know, have them do a food log for a day or a week or so. Um, <clears throat> and then that can give you a baseline of, okay, they're eating X amount of fruits and vegetables, getting roughly this much fiber, so on and so forth. And then you can start to gradually trickle in little bits and pieces here. Okay, I want you to have a banana or an apple or whatever, just some piece of fruit with your breakfast. Um, <clears throat> swap out, you know, the the fatty New York strip steak if someone's balling, um, and maybe replace it. Even not even with a chicken breast. If they still want steak, just replace it with a sirloin that's a bit leaner, a leaner cut. You know, so just making it as, as simple as possible for them um, at, at the beginning. And sometimes it takes a lot of time and patience uh, and small steps, like replacing the fattier steak with a leaner cut. And then if they want to get a bit more serious, then replacing the, the steak with, you know, pork uh, and then bringing it down to, to chicken or something, you know, but just um, taking small little baby steps because <clears throat> going back to the whole piece of this, which is sustainability, we want it to be super sustainable for them. So just cold turkeying the steak and making it bland, bland boring ass chicken breast, that's gonna get under some people's skin. And we don't want that to happen because that's gonna increase the likelihood that they're gonna revert back to the habit that they themselves have said that they want to break. So uh, baby steps, start where they are and baby steps um, would, be my, would be my recommendations. Yeah, I I have a very again I have a very similar philosophy to Michael. The only thing that I would change uh, is I do encourage to my clients to uh, to track at least it doesn't have to be anything uh, in depth, uh, but I would like I do encourage clients to either keep a food journal or even use something as simple as the My Fitness Pal app. What I really like about the app is that it has a barcode scanner that you could use to scan the barcodes of the different foods that you purchased. And then it populates all of the data that you need. The only thing that I want my clients to get out of tracking their food, whether it's through the app or through the journal, is I want them to know exactly how they are eating throughout the week. And not just what they're eating in terms of the, the caloric um, density or the nutrient values of the food, but I want them to get to know themselves. What are the types of food that they gravitate toward naturally? 
And if we know exactly what their natural diet looks like, and I tell them, hey, I want you to eat like you normally eat, and there is nothing off limits, I just want you to eat what you normally eat, we can establish a baseline value for you. What is your baseline, baseline caloric intake? What are your macronutrient intakes? And what, ca what types of food do you like to eat? And we go from there. That means as somebody who's prescribing them uh, some general suggestions, we can be like, okay, if you like to eat, um, if you like to eat mostly uh, meats, for example, Mike brought the example of steak. If you like, if you like uh, your carbo carbohydrates in the form of bread items, then guess what? We can start substituting some of those items for much healthier options than what they started with. But at least they're not going to eliminate the types of things that they like to eat in general. So it, it, it makes it much more likely that they are going to succeed with whatever intervention that we are going to put into place because they know what how, like they know what their eating habits are, they know the caloric value, they know the macronutrient intakes, and they're not going to be replacing anything, uh, they're not going to be replacing those foods with anything that they wouldn't want to eat in the first place. And that just increases their likelihood of success even more. Now when they want to become more specific, you're good. Sorry about that, guys. I keep blacking out. I think I'm up in the mountains, and I think the action here is not so great. Um, but you know, I start out simple like that. When we, they want to get into more depth, when they want to start tracking macros, when they want to start tracking uh, calories, then we can move on. But just in the beginning, knowing what you're eating and getting to know yourself, what your habits are, that goes a long way in helping people uh, succeed in whatever intervention that we are going to use. And one thing I want to um, <clears throat> preface to, and I, I think I think both myself and Jay uh, always have this in mind when we're talking to people about this, but we may have just overlooked it when we we're explaining this is start by asking them what do they want, <laughs> right? Because, um, for example, Jay works with a lot, like I said, with a lot of strength athletes. And most of the time, not most of the time, but a, a lot of the time they – are not in a phase where they're trying to lose weight or lower their body fat because that's actually detrimental to their performance as a power lifter. Um, so they're actually trying to gain weight, but they obviously want to do it in a, in a healthy way where they're not just gaining fat weight. Um, and so you just also have to start off with asking what, what is the goal uh, that you want to go after? And then you can, again, start to make those small incremental changes like Jay and I talked about. Jay, quick question for you, and then we'll go to yeah. uh, Dr. B. Do you think you recommend uh, the tracking and, and all that because your clientele are athletes? I guess my question is, would you do, would you do the same for a general population person who isn't a, a lifter? Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, unless there are, I have worked with a few very elite athletes, and I'm going to be 100 complete. 100% honest with you, uh, unless I'm working with somebody who is at a very elite level, most of my general population clients and even my, my clients who engage in, in powerlifting and those kinds of activities that do it in more than a hobby, they want, they don't just want, they just, they just, they don't just want to eat to perform. They almost always usually want to eat in order to achieve a certain body composition. So for those clients, and this is for, I would say 90% of my clients, I always have to have the conversation with them that if you want to compete as a powerlifter and you want to achieve some strength, strength goals, know that you are not going to be able to maximize the amount, of, the amount of pounds you're going to put on the barbell 
if you're also concerned about losing weight. And if that's something that they are, they're able to compromise with, then they're almost always going to be one of these successful stories. It's at the end of the day, it's always being very upfront with my clients that's been able to make them successful. Because if I try and pander to everything that they want to do, it almost always leads to failure. And, I, and I've noticed that from when I was a little bit more naive as a coach, from coaches who try to give every, their athletes and their, their clients everything that they want, uh, it almost always leads to failure. So for me, it's all about being upfront and honest with what they have in mind as far as the, um, the likelihood of, of achieving a certain goal uh, when it comes to um, nutritional guidelines. So if you're somebody who wants to achieve uh, a good amount of strength, but also wants uh, specific body composition goals, then it's a very it's it's a conversation that I need to have with you where you're not going to be if you if you chase two rabbits you end up with you're not going to end up with either. So it's either you you compromise with you know a little bit of strength and improved body composition, uh, or you get either of those things. Awesome. Um, and just want to say quickly too, uh, we have about 15 more minutes before Dr. B said his laptop is going to die. Um, no rushing or anything on here. Just wanted to make sure that uh, if the recording suddenly stops, that is the reason why. Um, Dr. B, go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's right now. It's showing 30 minutes. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I like I like one of the original suggestions that Jay had made about um, inclusivity. Um, and the reason why I like that idea is because when you, think, when you think about how kids are raised, you know, they're told to clean their plates and they're, um, they're often parented into eating certain foods and they have to eat this whether they like it or not. That's part of, you know, raising children apparently. When you become an adult and you realize you've got free will and you don't have to eat some of that stuff, it, you sort of develop this rebellion psychology where you know, you're not going to eat those kinds of things anymore. You're not, no fruits, no vegetables. I, I can't tell you how many times in my career that I've met people who just habitually don't consume any fruits or vegetables. It's amazing to me how bad the American diet can be. But Jay's suggestion is really good because what we're trying to do is diversify and expand, you know, open your palate a little bit. And so um, that could be fun. I mean, you guys know me really well. You know that Probably not a podcast is going to go by where I'm not going to mention going to Las Vegas and enjoying a buffet in Las Vegas. But that's... <laughs> yes, love that. We, we talk about Las Vegas a lot, and there's, a, there's nutritional reasons for that. Because when I go into a buffet in Las Vegas, I'm exposed to foods that I, would, I, I wouldn't normally cook, the things that I just couldn't buy. And I use that opportunity to sort of broaden my palate a little bit you know i like sweets but when i go to vegas i see that they've got you know all kinds of these shellfish and all kinds of dishes that are made in ways that i wouldn't make it and i can put just a little bit of that on my plate and basically broaden my palate in such a way that i'm sort of getting away from this rebellious nature that i might have as a child becoming an adult and really diversifying the number of nutrients that i'm getting and so it, it really just boils down to being, being open to trying something new. Uh, when I go into the grocery store, and you, you've seen this a thousand times, that nice old lady that's got the little, you know, Hot Pockets display, and she's giving you some free Hot Pockets, you know, with her little stand. 
is the wrong idea. I know what hot pockets taste like, and I'm not going to buy them because I think it's processed food. But she needs to be in the produce section with a little piece of star fruit or a little piece of, uh, you know, a, a, a prickly pear. Or she needs to be there with something that would entice customers to try something new. Well, it turns out that there are some grocery stores that will just do that for you. So if you go to the grocery store, you talk to the produce manager, they'll chop up something for you right then and there because you could be a future customer that runs your diet and, um, and, and just buy one thing and ask the produce manager, how do, I, how do I process a pomegranate? You would be very surprised, pleasantly surprised by how your diet will change just by the inclusivity that, I, that Jay recommends. I think it's a good idea. <clears throat> That's a great point. And um, as a some additional proof of grocery stores doing that, uh, when I worked at Sprouts, yes, I worked at Sprouts, um, <clears throat> we would do that too. People come up to us all the time and say, hey, can I get, you know, can I try one of those apples or whatever it was? I'd have my little produce knife, cut it up and give them a little piece. It was awesome. Love that. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that you can do that. That's I, like, I no idea. Yeah, wow. you can do that. <laughs> Fun facts. And if you're hungry, just make a day of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> before we before we move, move that's on, awesome. Before we move on, I just want to address quickly one point that Marcus brought up, which was doesn't have a lot of cooking knowledge. Because <clears throat> I think this is another big issue that a lot of people, especially around our age, um, experience. I, I, I can't tell you how many people that I know who don't know how to cook, and it's a little worrisome. <clears throat> particularly because they're missing out on such a great uh, opportunity to expose themselves to so many new things like Dr. B was talking about just by trying or committing to trying a new piece of produce, like a new vegetable, it could open up five new recipes, you know, a week's worth of recipes for you just because you want to try spaghetti squash or something as an example. <clears throat> so I mean, one thing I would recommend, and, and I'm even doing this right now, is, is setting a goal for yourself to make a new recipe every, every weekend, every month, whatever it is, whatever you can, again, sustainably do. It's kind of a theme here, isn't there? Uh, whatever you can sustainably do over time. So, for example, myself, I make a new dish every weekend. Um, I don't just come up with something from scratch. I'm not Gordon Ramsay. I can't do that. But I'll just go online and pick a recipe that sounds good to me. I, I usually base it off of like a different type of cuisine. So one day or one weekend, I'll do something Italian, then something Greek, then something uh, uh, Thai, you know, just, just experimenting with different cuisines that I normally haven't had exposure to. And I found that that's really enabled me even to open up um, and expand my palate. So just making that little commitment to yourself, I think, is a, is a fun and pretty simple way to, to do that. <clears throat> and you can find so many recipes that don't require a lot of cooking skills. Um, you know, just heating stuff up on, on, a, on a pan. Um, there's a lot of things you can do with that, <laughs> I would say. <clears throat> um, cool. So that was a that was a great little discussion that we had. I'm, I'm glad we did that. That was a good question, Marcus. Um, you should have you interviewing on this. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> uh, want to bring it back to you now since you are the guest. Um, I want to talk about the the personal training that you've been doing in California. 
uh, first when you had a facility to train at, and then we'll talk here in a minute about what you're doing outdoors now. Um, but first off, just wanted to know where are you training people or where were you training people? <clears throat> and then two, what, I, I'm curious to know what your approach looks like because coming from, from us, meaning like myself, Jay, particularly myself and Jay, we are meatheads. Like we, we train heavy, we grunt loud, we do all this stuff. Uh, but that's obviously not everybody. And you seem to be in a bit more of a general population um, group, which is, is great because I don't get that exposure a lot, except when I'm talking to Dr. B sometimes. Um, so we'd love to hear how your approach with clients differs uh, from what we normally talk about here uh, at Vigor Podcast. Mm. Yeah, well, um, I, I work at um, Equinox in Berkeley. Nice. So... So we, we do have a, a general population there. It's um it's a mix of people that just work in the Bay Area and also a lot of Cal students. Um, UC Berkeley is about about a ten minute walk away from there, so we get a, a decent amount of um of a diverse age group in there. So what what originally drew me to that um to that gym was the opportunity for continuing education. Yep. So I had a, a decent. Um, knowledge of the body when I first started that position, but in terms of how to utilize that knowledge to help people, that's what I really needed to work on. So they they had um, they really emphasized using the functional movement system to um, to kind of center that around whatever goal people have, and what that is, it's a essentially a screen. And it's about seven movements. I do it with 99.9% .9 of the evaluations I have with people. So with that, you could see um, just what, um, sorry, I'm trying to word this best. So you could see what they need to work on and what they're doing well. Yep. So one thing might be affecting the other, which is where a good understanding of kinesiology comes in. So what, what I do with that, how I, how I kind of progress that to an exercise program, they have a lot of exercises laid out in there for you to take already. But what I want to do is make the most efficient exercise for each movement. So a lot of my train with people is a lot of full body because I only see clients a few times a week or a couple times a week. So I want to make sure that we get the best workout impossible. The other days I, would either assign homework or have them take a rest day. So it, it obviously depends on the goals for the clients, but I'm gonna be completely honest, the majority of my people wanna, wanna lose weight and get toned. So that goal, you need to utilize all wellness factors in there. You need to be eating properly and you need to be working out consistently. So if I have a general client per se, they don't have any injuries. They can move well, but they don't have the best movement. So I don't see any limitations. I'm, I'm gonna teach them a lot of stability stuff. That's gonna allow their joints to be able to handle any load and allow me to teach them proper form without explaining too much in detail. Yeah. Because we gotta get a workout in within an hour and I can't be taking 30, 40 minutes explaining how to do a bench press. Some people though, um, they're more down your guys' route. They want to get stronger. They want to bench press more. They want to squat more. They want to deadlift more. 
during um, those sessions, I might focus on maybe one or two or maybe even three exercises at a time with a lot of corrective exercises. Um, a lot of people just who I've came across don't really have the best posture and working in a physical therapy clinic, I see every little detail about someone's posture and I wouldn't say it's an OCD, but it's really close to it. I want to just be like, I'll oh, just rotate your shoulders back a little more and just straighten up your back and doing that, that's going to help you perform a lot of exercises better. So the programs that I have with people, even though it, it may be strength based or um, hypertrophy based, everything I do will allow them to improve their posture somehow. So we'll always be doing more rows and external rotation exercises versus pressing and internal rotation. The last thing I want to um, cause for someone is pain and leaving them worse than they were when they came in. Yeah. So I'm gonna be honest, a lot of people that I've worked with, um, they're not really satisfied with how fast they're getting to their goals or not reaching their goals. But from the get go, I say, I wanna help you feel better and move better. Then we could focus on that goal after that because I wanna have this be something that you could use for the rest of your life. I don't want you to just be fit for one or two years or a summer and then just go right back to where you were in the first place. Yeah. And we have a lot of trainers at the gym, so I, and we have a, a break room, so I ask a lot of questions to people. I watch other people training clients, and I'm always just getting these new ideas of how I could, one, challenge someone, to make the session fun. Because a lot of the creative exercises I implement, they aren't the most fun exercises. <laughs> right. But I know that it's gonna help the clients in the long run. I don't want anyone to tear an or out of using mobility inducement. Hey, so, Mark, Mark people skills because a lot of people they're not they're not really going to understand. Yeah. Hey, Marcus. Sorry, we're we're losing you. Uh, a little bit. Off. Can Can you guys hear me, Jay and, and Dr. B? Or is it just me? Yeah, Marcus is gone. I can hear both you and, and Dr. B. You're coming through just fine, but Marcus is he's frozen on my screen right now. Shit, he's frozen on mine too. Yeah. Can we, let me can we, let me see if I can do something here. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let me uh let me see if I can turn off his camera because sometimes. Oh nope. He okay. <clears throat> so he probably had to jump off for a sec to fix his internet or something. Um. Oh wait. Is that there him? we go. Yeah, I think so. He's jumping back in. Maybe. Maybe. I'll have to edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got you got your top notch editing software there, buddy. Hey, Marcus, you with us? He's showing you. He's he's listening. Yes, you're back. 
movie reference earlier, Mike. You're like, it's I Am Legend in New York City. I can see that. <laughs> what do you mean? Because we're like earlier is like New York City's I Am Legend right now. So yeah. <laughs> just you and your German Shepherd. You know, fuck, I wish I had a German Shepherd. Uh, Mark, you see there? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, so super sorry, but I, we lost you um, when you started. I heard you saying something about like you don't want them to tear their ACL. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Okay. We, we had a good point then. So, so um, I want to teach them how to prevent um, injuries from happening. Some injuries that people get, you're not going to be able to control that. There could be some sort of collision, but I want to focus on those injuries where someone might make a wrong step. And because of the lack of stability in their ankle or knee or hip, they might tear something. Yep. So those are the types of things I want to prevent. So that, that, um, that's kind of what I picked up in physical therapy. A lot of people were going in there for, for low back pain, upper back pain, and all that could have been avoided if they, um, if they were doing corrective exercises ahead of time. But without the lack of knowledge about those, you can't really blame them for that. Yeah. So I want to just be able to teach as many people as I can about creative exercises and how to get themselves the most functional they can be in terms of movement. Uh, real quick, Dr. B, how are we doing on time? Or I guess battery life. <laughs> <laughs> battery life is 13% uh, remaining. How much time? I, I should have just stuck with time. How much time do we have? <laughs> well, I'm one battery saver. And so, uh, now it's telling me 28 minutes, but I don't trust that. Mm, that's a little back, but okay, we're gonna keep rolling then. Um, <clears throat> Marcus, you, you were talking about posture, and this is particularly interesting to me right now because I've been working from home since March. Uh, my, you're looking at my home office, welcome. Uh, okay. It is the couch. <clears throat> and obviously that doesn't lend itself to the best of posture. So, and also, this is actually interesting for you and your clientele because you're in the Bay Area, like you said. So you get a lot of tech bros and tech bras uh, probably coming into your Equinox. So tell the people, home ergonomics, how can we best, uh, you know, maintain posture and just um, I, I working it in, a, in a way that isn't going to ruin our, our backs and our bodies from a physical therapy standpoint? Mm -hmm. So um, just something I've, I've learned very recently just through my education through um, the Equinox curriculum. In my opinion, I think that if you could do a deep squat and raise your hands over your head, that's going to show that you have good posture. It, it'll show that um, your hips aren't limiting you and your upper back isn't limiting you. So if you work from home, the best thing you could do is just try to get up and take a like walk around the house or just around the block maybe every 45 minutes or an hour because just the sitting in a chair nothing is good for you in this and i'm, I'm sorry michael but couch is even worse so <laughs> yeah you're gonna you're no, gonna see no. <laughs> you're gonna see people with uh with the forward head posture rounded shoulders and um, a kyphotic um, thoracic spine, which is essentially just the spine bending over right here. We're meant to have um, a natural S curve in the spine, but just since we are leaned over so much and hunching, 
we tend to lose mobility in our upper back. And I'm, I'm actually suffering from this problem. So that's been something I've been working on during the quarantine. And how, um, how have you been working on that problem? What are, what are you doing for yourself? Well, um, I mean, compared to the general population, I have a whole encyclopedia of corrective exercises to do. Um, child's pose is very good to do in general. It just helps you lengthen your back and um, keep the mobility in your hips. Which, so that's, I'm sorry, it got a little choppy. Which pose did you yeah. say? Child's pose. Child's pose. Okay, yeah. gotcha. gotcha. Thank you. So um, you can do a child's pose with your arms straight, a child's pose with your arms to one side and arms to the other side because you want to be able to get that nice stretch um, in your lat under your shoulder. So if you if you do that um, a few times a day, I mean, it's not going to be it's not going to be day and night, but over time, that's going to help people um, credit their posture. Also, just with, if you sit down, ideally, you just sit in a squat position. I know that that's hard for a lot of people to do, but that is the, the golden stage that we want to be. Go back to our, our natural. Um, Got it. <clears throat> um, great. I mean, these are th – this is the stuff that I really like to, to do as well is, is give the people listening some actionable recommendations. And I think that stuff with the child's pose uh, in conjunction with the previous discussions that we had are some really great things that people can start applying to their lives right now. So thank you for, for sharing that because, I mean, shit, that's something that I can do. And I'll probably be doing the damn child's pose after we get off this. Mm -hmm. um <laughs> so right, sorry, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you really quick sure, sure. Um, so another thing that um, a lot of people suffer from is tight pecs in terms of that so you want to do some mild fascial work to your pectoral muscle and make sure you get it nice and stretched out either by stretching it passively or by doing external rotation exercises for your shoulders that's just going to help you um, ensure that you have good shoulder health and you can perform um, exercises like the bench press and overhead press properly. So is myofascial work just like kind of like kind of applying pressure to your chest and then doing some additional stretches like like this or? Well, I, ideally you work with a physical therapist and they manually do that for you, but I understand not everyone's gonna be able to do that. So what I've personally been doing is using a lacrosse ball. Oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. So you could you could either do it on the floor or against a wall, depending on your tolerance. You don't want to do anything that's going to cause pain, or else your muscles are going to tighten up and you'll be in worse shape than when you started. So you want to do something that that essentially feels good, but just gives you a little. Mm. So yep. you could um, just either roll around with it. You could move your arms in kind of a windmill motion with it, and that's just going to help you in just your overall wellness over time. That's great. I love that. Um, <clears throat> I, I feel like uh, the audience and, and Jay and Dr. B are tired of me talking. So I want to make sure that I give them uh, the platform to ask any questions if you guys have anything. Yeah, Michael, 5% battery. Right, 5%? Holy shit, that changed fast. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll fit in one more question. Yeah. We need to give Marcus uh, the time to shout himself out. So go ahead, Jay. Uh, no, I'll actually give this one to Dr. B. I feel like he's been quiet for a little bit now, so I'll let him get the last question there. Oh, I'm on? You're on. 
Oh no, we should we should give Marcus a chance to just introduce himself and, and make sure that he okay. uh, we we might be losing each other here very very soon. Okay. Uh, yeah, Marcus, could, if you could just you know tell people where they can find you, what you're working on, um, and if you have any parting words, uh, we'd love to hear them. Yeah. So um, I'm currently working on. I, I'm just starting my master's of public health, and I'm, I'm very excited for it. I'm in a, a great class so far, and I'm excited to see where things go with this. Um, we uh, we have a, a dire need of people working in this field and that have the nutrition or sorry the education to educate people about just how to take care of themselves over time. So that's that's what I want to do in my career. I want to help improve the wellness of of people all over just as best I can. So where you could find me, um, I have an Instagram, it's mr.clark8 underscore stay ready. That's kind of my thing, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That per pertains all across life. So um, feel free to reach out with any questions on there. Um, I'm happy to collaborate as, as best as we can and just help people, that's what we're here for. Um, you're also hiding the fact that you studied, uh, what was it, jazz in, in college too? Uh, well, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't study in college. Um, I, I auditioned um, for the That's jazz program at, uh, at Arizona State. I didn't get accepted, so um, I, I wanted to pursue another one of my interests, biology. Um, I'm currently getting back into it, thank, thanks to the quarantine so um yeah just it was a, a it was a huge part of my life growing up and so i wanted to just pick it back up re-educate myself on music theory and hopefully collaborate with people in the future beautiful well like you said stay ready so you don't have to get ready keep playing the jazz so you don't have to forget about the jazz um <laughs> Well, awesome, man. This has been this has been great. Um, I love this conversation, and and thank you to Jay and Dr. B for uh, taking some time out of both your vacations, frankly, to to get on here, even though you're both in the same place in in Oregon. Um, but yeah, thank you to Dr. B and Jay. Thank you to Marcus. Thank you so much. Um, you can find this podcast at the Agora Podcast with a K in the cast uh, at pretty much all major podcasting platforms. Uh, my blog and other content about mostly nutrition and exercise science you can find at agora10.com. Jay, you can find at agent, unders agent underscore Jay Shroth <laughs> on Instagram. Um, Dr. B, you can't find anywhere because he doesn't have any social media. <laughs> Look, you know what we're going to have to do the next time that Dr. B is in town, we are going to have to make him at least an Instagram. Maybe a make Facebook. Him, make him an Instagram oh, yeah, when sure. you see him in Oregon. <laughs> at least an Instagram, maybe a TikTok. Uh, he jumped off. Yeah, he, he's, he's really low profile. We can't, yeah, we can't get him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm stopping this recording now. So thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was nice, yeah. nice to meet you, Jay. Michael, nice to see you again. Yeah, Mark, yeah man. Good to see you. Michael, take care, buddy. All right? <laughs> all right, buddy. See ya.